0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It's great to see all of you today. It's kind of like uh, homecoming weekend, it seems like. Uh, uh, we got uh, our, our guy from the Marine Corps here. Jared is back. We have... Uh, um, Mackenzie, Carl is back from school, and uh, Brian and Katie are here. I mean, you go way back with us, and Tom McGinn. I mean, and I'm probably missing somebody here, so it's nothing personal if I missed you, (laughs) okay? But it's great to see all of you. We're in this sermon series talking about getting to know Jesus better, uh, because I think we have a tendency to know things about Jesus, know facts about him, but not know him. So well. And so that's what we've been focusing on these last number of weeks, and we're going to continue that today. I want you to let your mind go back uh, now to those days when you were young and in school and on the playground. And we're going to play ball. Doesn't matter what kind basketball, football, baseball, doesn't matter. And they start choosing teams and what is the one thing at that moment you're hoping above all else see we don't want to be the picked last right and and uh, you know, only one person can be picked last so probably it didn't, most of us didn't have that experience but um, yeah, that's the one person you didn't want to be you know the one who got picked last and by the way some of you here today got picked last probably and that might kinda, You might be feeling a little something different than the rest of us are feeling here today. Uh, but so they get picked last, and, and um, like I said, that's something that you know, nobody wants to be that person. Uh, then there's the, the person who is, just think in general, the person who is the one who doesn't usually get invited to stuff. I'm not thinking kids anymore, I'm just thinking us as people, Right? You're at work, and a bunch of people get invited to go out and do something, but there's one or two who, who just don't get invited for one reason or another. And that's pretty consistent. And then there's those, those uh, you know, people that, you know, you say, I don't know if I want to be connected with them, because if I'm connected with them, people are gonna, might think this about me or that about me, you know, and I don't want to be connected with that person. Uh, or there's the person who's the butt of the jokes, right? There's someone who seems like to captures that attention, almost like a magnet, you know, they get laughed at all the time. Uh, or someone who's just really kind of awkward in, in, in a social setting, and it's just kind of tough to, to figure out how do we get along with this person and do this. And, and all sorts of situations like this in life and... It's those people, when you think about those people and what they are, those people. <laughs> kind of making my own point here, right? Think about those people who find themselves on the receiving end of that. And how do they feel? And and how does it affect them? And how they look at life and how they make choices. And, and like I said, Probably all of us have had, you know, been there on our own from time to time in life, and it's not very pleasant, is it? It Kind of hits us deep down inside. Well, today we want to figure out, how does Jesus feel about people like that? How does he feel? What does he think about this? That we might learn something about ourselves and how we respond. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, and if you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. If you look down in front of you down there, there's some place in the chair there nearby. There ought to be a Bible. And we're going to give you the page numbers that you need. Uh, but I really encourage you to follow along. It'll make it, uh, I think, uh, more beneficial to you. Luke chapter 18. We're going to start on page 1208. 1208. Luke chapter 18. And we'll start in verse number 15. Um, Just remember, we we talked last week a little about this. Wherever Jesus went, a crowd went, right? After after he became well-known, everywhere he went, there was a crowd. And so they always had people go in front, you know, and prepare the way and make sure whatever needed to happen, happened. And we see this happening again here in verse 15. It says, Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. Get, get the kids out of here. Come on, we, we're doing important stuff here, right? We don't have time for that. You know, the kids are, are inconvenient, and they, the kids really have nothing to offer to what we're trying to accomplish here. We need to be talking to grown ups They need to interact with them, people who can see and understand, make a difference, you know, not the kids. Verse 16, But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And where this story is told in in another place in the gospel, this is Jesus rebuked the disciples for this. And what we see here is that Jesus has a different perspective on the children. I mean... We just did Thanksgiving with 13 children, ages eight and under, at our house. 26 of us total, and but 13 of them were under eight years of age. And um, I mean, it was special, right? I love my grandkids, love them to death, uh, but they are a lot of work. <laughs> Not for me. But for every, all the moms, uh, dads sometimes. But anyway, so they are a lot of work, and they don't really necessarily have a lot to offer, right? I mean, they show up at Thanksgiving, our lives don't get easier, right? Some of the older people show up, and they bring food, and they do things, our lives get easier. But the kids show up, it doesn't get easier. In fact, it gets harder, okay? And, and so, but we see Jesus here values them even though they don't have much to offer, at least at this point in their lives, uh, and even though they're a lot of hard work, he values them. He says, no, no, bring the kids, bring the kids. And he actually teaches us a spiritual lesson here, and that's that if you're going to start a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be with the heart of a child in the sense of simple, sincere, real, open faith. Right? Not questioning, not on my terms, not just, you know, just the way a child believes. All right, so that's the first group of, of people that we see Jesus valuing. Now let's, let's go down to verse 35, another uh, story here. So I think it's probably still on the same page. could be the next page. Verse 35, it says, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, so they're traveling down the road, and he's getting close to the city of Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging... And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and, and, and I think he had heard about Jesus. Because it says, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And by son of David, he means a descendant of King David, which Jesus was, and that's also recognition of that Jesus has a special place and, and may, in this man's mind, be that he should also be the Messiah, the king of Jerusalem, of Israel. So he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Quiet. <laughs> Man, you're making a ruckus here. This just doesn't, just doesn't fit what we're trying to accomplish. This is not part of the plan. Of course, I, I like this guy's response, right? Says so see, uh, they went before, wanted, warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So he got louder. I guess he figures the tongue, stop, stop. It means Jesus must be getting close here. Verse 40, so Jesus stood still. Jesus stops and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. But we wouldn't have got to that last verse if Jesus hadn't intervened. Right, because this man is a problem. He's a needy person, isn't he? A blind beggar on the side of the road looking for help and he starts crying out and he gets louder and louder and he begins to distract people and get their attention and they're trying to say, shut up, (laughs) be quiet. But Jesus says, no, 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 bring him to me. So here he is, it's very inconvenient. But Jesus Brings him in and, and values him. See, he was messing up the plan. Right? The guys with Jesus where they're going, they got this plan and this program and, and his problems messed up the plan. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Bring him to me. All right? Let's continue. One more story here. It's some, a some more well-known story for you. In fact, how, how many of you grew up in a... Uh, a Bible-believing church. We call it. How many of you did that? All right, so you got to finish this song for me. Zacchaeus was a... Look at that, look at that. Right, you know, of course, the motions, it was crazy what we used to do. Right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. All right, so this is the story of Zacchaeus, who was short in stature. So let's, let's read here. Then G- Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So let, let's stop right there. Um, normally we would think, oh, being rich, then you've got something going for you, right? You know, and you're probably well-known, accepted all that. Well, he was well-known, but you're, he's a chief tax collector. He was a top guy in the Roman IRS. Now, is that the guy you want to invite to your dinner parties? <laughs> uh, I'm sort of joking there. Um, but you remember we talked about this. Who collected taxes in Israel at this time? People who were considered to be Traitors. Because the Roman government was in uh, Israel at this time. They were the occupying force. And uh, Israel, obviously the Jewish people did not want them there. But they are there and they're controlling. And they are charging taxes of the people. And what they would do is they would hire someone. One of the local people hire one of those people to be a tax collector. It's like they'd get a contract. You need to collect this much money for us. And so they would go around and collect the taxes. And they made their money by adding on to that, the percentage, okay? And so here we are in Israel. They're being uh, oppressed by the Romans, and now your neighbor is collecting taxes for the Romans. He's a, he's a traitor in your mind. Uh, but it's worse than that. He's a chief tax collector. This means that he's over a bunch of tax collectors. This is Zacchaeus. All right, so let's read starting verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Man, Jesus values him. I must come. i got to come be with you. Verse 6, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, who's the they? Pretty much everybody else, right? Certainly all the people from Jericho who knew who Zacchaeus was. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he, talking about Jesus, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Jesus hanging out with this Zacchaeus guy, what's up with that? Maybe this Jesus guy isn't quite what we thought he was. He wouldn't be hanging around with that Zacchaeus if he was the kind of man we thought he was. Something happens while Jesus is there. Verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Zacchaeus has this uh, change of heart, I think, He's sitting talking with Jesus. He's listening to Jesus, listening to the teachings of Jesus, having this discussion. Jesus has valued him enough to come and sit and talk with him about life and a relationship with God. And we don't know specifically, but we do know the kinds of things that Jesus talks about. And Zacchaeus comes to this point where he he gets it and realizes that, and I think his heart is changed. Yet his heart has changed in so much so that he stands up and says, oh, look, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give away half of my goods to the poor that need them. I, you know, I've got more than I need. I'm going to give away half of my stuff to the poor. And if, any, if I've you know, cheated anybody out of any money here, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it back to them four times. That's more than the, the law even required. Changed heart, isn't it? Changed man. Verse 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. And, And I just want to be real clear to you. When he says salvation has come to your house, he doesn't mean Zacchaeus is now saved. And by saved, when we talk about saved or salvation, we're talking about having our sins forgiven so that our sins no longer prevent us from going to heaven to be with the Lord or to have a relationship with him now. Because our sins do separate us from God. And that's why Jesus came, right? That's why Jesus came on the cross, pays the penalty for our sins, to remove that separation, okay? But what we see here is he's acknowledging that this is what has happened in Zacchaeus' heart, in his life. He has come to believe. He has come to salvation. And when he says he's a son of Abraham, it means he's Jewish, but it means more than that because we get on in our New Testament and we discover that Abraham Let me ask, how did Abraham get right with God? By what? Somebody just said it, by faith, by believing God. And so we are children, sons of Abraham when we believe, because we believe like Abraham believed. We are his spiritual descendants, you might say. And Jesus is now saying Zacchaeus is now one of those people who has believed. And as we can see, it's changed everything. Verse number 10, Jesus says something about himself. For the Son of Man, and that's how Jesus often referred to himself, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, yeah, you guys all look at Zacchaeus, and and you said you shouldn't have anything to do with him, and you put him down, but I want you to know, I came for people like him. I came for people like him. He matters. He is a value. And so, all three of these stories, we see something here about how Jesus values people. And specifically, we might say a certain kind of people. Let me say it this way Jesus values and pays attention to people we prefer to ignore. And now I know that you all aren't like that, and aren't you all do that? But I think every one of us, at some point in our lives, find ourselves there are people that we would just as soon kind of ignore. You walk into a room and you see, and you go the other way. Right? You're hoping someone else will address this person, so you won't have to. But Jesus values those people. Not only values, he He pays attention to them and invests in them and cares about them. Think about this. We're talking about children. Jesus values and pays attention to people who really don't have much of anything to offer right now and yet require a lot of work. And and it's like the the blind man, the needy man. Jesus values people whose problems are inconvenient and and keep getting in the way of of plans. He values those people, pays attention to them. Like Zacchaeus, he values those people who, boy, if you're hanging out with them, your reputation may get tarnished. But he values that person, cares about them. And I tell you what, we ought to be really glad that he does because guess what? Those people are us. Right? Those people are us. Now maybe not with the people around you, but think about us before God. We are like those children. I mean, what, when we come to Lord, what do we really have to offer Him that He doesn't already have? Or you know? do we, we don't have much to offer Him and are, are we a lot of work? <laughs> now, I didn't say you're a piece of work, but right? We, we, we're a lot of work and it would be a long time, you know, just like kids, before they really begin to be able to give back. You know, we are like that blind beggar, that needy person. We have problems that we are not able to solve. We aren't able to fix. And, and our problems get, seem like they get in the way sometimes of, you know, the things that are supposed to be getting done, and yet Jesus values us and pays attention to us. We're, we're like Zacchaeus. Because I want you to think, Really? Do you think that your reputation adds to the Lord's reputation? I mean, at our best, we are always in a position where we're not far from tarnishing the Lord's reputation. And yet he values us and pays attention to us. And so it is a good thing that Jesus is like this because we are the... uh, Uh, Recipients of that, that paying attention and valuing of us. You see, we tend to see people the way they are and then tend to assume the worst about them. Okay, you see what I'm saying? uh, You say, well, I don't do that. If you don't do that, that's great. But I'm trying to say, the reality is that when we see someone and we see these kinds of things, you know, they're, wow, this person doesn't really have anything to offer and and there's a, a, a... you know, get a long time, a lot of work there. This person keeps getting in the way of what we're trying to accomplish. Man, this person, I don't want to be associated with that. All these kinds of things, we see people and we tend to then just assume that's the way they are, that's the way they're going to be, the worst. But Jesus sees people the way they are and always assumes the best. That's a big difference, isn't it? He sees People like, like children, right, who, are, who don't really have much to offer and are a lot of work, and he sees them and says, yeah, but you know what? The people like this, they don't have much to offer right now, but you know what? They can believe. They come to believe in, in me and trust me, and, and they can grow, and, and, and I can do amazing things in their life. And he sees the, the people who are needy, you know, with problems that, that uh, they aren't able to fix. And yeah, it's inconvenient, but he sees this, wow, you know what? We can help with this problem and address this problem and make a difference here and, and change this person's life so much so that they can now help accomplish the plan, bring great honor and glory to God. And he sees the person who has that reputation that is, boy, like I said, you know, you don't really want to be associated with that. And says, you know what? We can reach this person, and this person's life can be changed. Their reputation can be changed. And you know what that's gonna do? That's gonna reflect well on the Lord's reputation and on the reputation of his people and what God can do in a person's life. Because he sees what people can become, doesn't he? We tend to focus on what people are, and he see, focuses on what people can become. And it changes how he interacts with them. But I want, I want to be um, clear about that because I want to be careful what I guess I'm trying to say. I don't want to communicate something that Jesus only values us because oh, we can become valuable to him. That isn't the way it goes. He he values people like this simply because they are them. And so let me say it this way. Jesus values people and pays attention to them, not just because of what they can become, but simply because they are them. Now, that's probably not good grammar, is it? But do you understand what we mean? He looks at these people, and, and yes, he sees what they can become, but that's not... He values them before that. He values them and, and works in their lives before that. Now let me show you something how I, I, I'm pretty, I'm not, I don't want to say this. Let me show you why I believe that's true, okay? Let's go a little farther in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 19. page 1210 in the Bible that's there in the chairs, page 1210, chapter 19, down in verse 41. So Jesus has been making his way to Jerusalem. We talked about that last week. Jesus has been making his way toward Jerusalem, and so he's going to get to the place now where all of a sudden he comes over a, a hill or whatever, and he can see the city. Verse 41, it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying... If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, to stop. Jesus saying, you know, if it, I am the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, I am coming, and, and, and God, uh, the Father, tends to make peace with you through this whole thing. And he says, if you only knew that. He says, but now they are hidden from your eyes, and as you don't see it, you aren't getting it. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surrounding you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation, because you didn't understand who I am and why I've come. This happened in 70 AD, the fall of Jerusalem. Okay, But Jesus sees them and weeps over them. Now... What he's saying about these people is, will they ever get on board with the plan? Will they? He says no. Now he's not talking about every individual. He's talking about the whole group, you know, as a group. He knows that they aren't ever going to get on board with the plan. They aren't ever going to align themselves with him. They are going to resist him and oppose him. They're going to do that. And yet he's still what? He weeps over them. His heart is broken for people who will never add value to him and what he's doing. And it's not just the Jewish people in Jerusalem at that time. This is the whole world. Think, in the whole world, will there always be people who refuse to believe in Jesus? There'll always be people who refuse to believe. There'll always be people who will actually actively oppose him and be against it. Those people will always be there think what the scripture tells us about Jesus and what he did. In 1 John 2 he says, and he himself, talking about Christ, he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the whole world. Now how many of you use the word propitiation two or three times this week? (laughs) Propitiation uh, means a satisfactory payment. In other words, Uh, The idea is that we, as people who were born with a natural tendency towards self, people who were born with what we would call a sinful nature, uh, we find ourselves in opposition to God because of it. But Jesus' payment on the cross is a propitiation, a full and satisfactory payment for every sin. Every sin we've ever committed, ever will commit, every sin that will ever be committed. A full, satisfactory payment. Now, if I understand this right, this means that Jesus died and paid the sins for people who will never receive him as Savior. (coughs) Why would he do that? Because he genuinely values them. He genuinely cares about them. They will never add value, right? Right? They will always be that problematic person. And he dies for them. Anyway, what kind of love is that? And this is what John says a little later in his letter there. He says, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He loved us, not because we were lovable or not because we loved him, not because he brought any value, but because he valued us. The very next verse, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So see, this is what we're talking about. You know, Jesus values and pays attention to people we naturally prefer to ignore. But this verse says, but if God loved us when we were people like that, to him, we also ought to love one another, including those people. So come down to loving like Christ. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it gives us some insight in what it means to love like this. It says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. I know you're just going to read the rest of it. That's okay, but let's stop and talk about this phrase. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. All right, so here we go. It's like the children. They don't have much to offer, but they're a lot of work. Here's the needy person who's causing us problems. He's messing with our plans. He's inconvenient. And here's the person we don't want to be associated with. Well, you know what? When we love, we what? We bear up with that. Yeah, that's true, but... This person's worth it. This person is worth it. And it says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. There you go, that's a good one, right? Because the reality is that sometimes it's hard to believe the best about everyone. But if you're gonna love, you're going to believe the best. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, right? You don't give up. You keep caring. You keep working. You keep valuing. And that it endures everything without weakening, okay? So is this a natural kind of love? This is not a natural kind of love. This is the love of God. And the Bible says that when we open up our hearts to him, receive him as Savior, that he makes that love available to us. The Holy Spirit brings that love into us and we can can love people like this. And and really we're talking about our our hearts, aren't we? We're talking about the condition of our hearts. I'm not trying to be unrealistic today that people got problems and it gets messy and hard to figure out and sometimes you can't help someone. We know that. But see, the question is not so much all of how did that look. The question is, what's in my heart about this person, whether I can help or not. It's about our hearts. And there's even a stronger thing for us to think about. Jesus talks about a judgment at the end of time, and, and when everybody's judged about how they live their lives, and 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 he talks about those who did what was right and had the right heart attitudes and right responses. And he says, Hey, you took care of me when I was sick. You fed me when I was hungry. This is Jesus talking. You fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I didn't have proper clothing. You gave me a place to stay when I had none. You know, you met my needs. And they say, when did we do that? And he says this, Matthew 25, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So the next time you find yourself, you see somebody and you identify that this is one of those people that we're talking about. And can I just... Make a give you a parenthesis here. Can I step back and put a parenthesis? This is, other you know, we're talking about all people. But sometimes certain people make us see it. And so the next time we see that, and rather than thinking of all these problems and issues, you know what we need to think of? Wait a minute. I can help the Lord. I want to see Jesus here. Isn't that what he says? And to those who didn't do right, he says the same thing. He says, you didn't do it. And they said, when? He says, well, when you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren. You didn't do it to me. So, man, see Jesus in people, even when he isn't there yet, right? See Jesus in them. Value them. Love them. Pay attention to them. See what you can do to engage and make a difference. And so, Paul says in Galatians, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, and especially to those who are the household of faith, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But when he says, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ, that means what? He's also already what? Included those who are not yet our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, how do we live this out? How do we live it out in our lives? Because... The reality is, is that the scripture does tell us that there are some people that we are not supposed to hang out with. If, if you have a problem in your own life, let's say a particular sin, let's say that you're, uh, you struggle with alcohol and you, you know, you're wanting to, to deal with that issue and you're trying to work on it, the Bible would tell you don't hang out with people who are always drinking, right? So you're gonna have to say, I can't be there with you, I can't do that because you have to, to grow beyond that. It. it tells us as well that people who claim to be Christians, you know, they outwardly claim to be a Christian, say they are, but they, they live the exact opposite and refuse to live like Christians, that we can't just hang out with them and act like everything's okay because it's not. So, I mean, the Bible does tell us some things and places and times we're not supposed to be engaging with, with people in this way. But those are the rare exceptions. And so how, how do we do this? How do we value and pay attention to? Well, first thing is you gotta genuinely value people with all of their problems. You have to value people. That's everybody. But value people with all of their problems. You know, it's, it's hard to be able to help someone with their problems if you don't value them first. I don't really care about you, but let me fix your problems. What do you say? No, thank you. And so we need to genuinely value people the way they are right now, with the problems that they have. We can't be conditional. I'll value you if you, aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that with you? I'll love you and I'll save you. I'll forgive your sins and give you eternal life if you will do this and this and this and make that change. And, you know, we couldn't have done it. All right. so we gotta value people the way they are right now with all of their problems. And let me just throw this out. Many of you have probably heard the statement, well, love the sinner, hate the sin. Well, let me just warn you that when someone hears you say that, what they really hear you is rejecting them. Okay? I mean, as Christians, we can understand that truth, but what we really need to do is love the sinner even in their sin. Right? That's the way God loves us. All right, so genuinely value people with all their problems. Secondly, because you genuinely value people, help them work through their problems. So now that you genuinely value them, this is not a game, it's nothing fake. You genuinely value this person. Now you're in a place to say, hey, let me help you with this. Can we work on this? And, and you help in whatever ways you can, and maybe you enlist some other people who have experiences or, or, or resources that you don't have, or, and maybe actually get them more formal help, right? I mean, because some people need some real heavy-duty help, and, and certainly, if nothing else, we, we enlist the Lord, right, and pray and care. And the third thing is this. Start asking God to help you see. Value and move toward people with problems. This is going to change what you see and how you respond when you walk into a room with people. God wants to work through you. And so we know this about Jesus. Jesus values and pays attention to people we prefer to ignore. We need to become more like Jesus, don't we? We really do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you, your son, you have valued us, paid attention to us, addressed our needs, moved toward us. All these things with our, all of our problems, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would really challenge us to be more like you in this. In fact, Father, I ask that we get to the point where we we no longer are so quick to identify this person as someone who needs, but rather we see people as people the way you do. I pray this in Jesus' name amen all right thank you for your attention god bless you you are dismissed go and care about people